Today we talk about the dangerous truth about today's marijuana with Laura Stack, here on the Northern Lights Pulse podcast. Welcome to the Northern Lights Pulse podcast. Here at Northern Lights Pulse, our mission is to help teens and young adults better understand themselves, others, and the world in which they live. You can find out more about what we're doing at Northern Lights Pulse by going to www.nlpulse.com. You can also find us on all the social media sites. You can find us at NL Pulse on Facebook, at NL underscore Pulse on Twitter, and at Northern Lights Pulse on Instagram. Today we are being joined by Laura Stack. Just a little bit of information about Laura. Um, She was best known in the business world for her professional moniker, the Productivity Pro. Her 30-year career as a keynote speaker, best-selling author of eight productivity books, and corporate spokesperson came to a screeching halt on November 20th, 2019, when her 19-year-old son, Johnny, died by suicide after becoming psychotic from dabbing high THC marijuana concentrates. Laura has responded by forming the nonprofit Johnny's Ambassadors to educate parents and teens about the dangers of today's high THC marijuana on adolescent brain development, mental illness, and suicide. Her platform now brings education, awareness, and prevention curriculum to parents, drug prevention conferences, community groups, and schools to stop youth marijuana use. She is a powerful speaker who brings Johnny's personal warning and solid research together in her new book, The Dangerous Truth About Today's Marijuana, Johnny Stack's Life and Death Story. Described as a force of nature with unstoppable drive and unwavering purpose, Laura is determined to get teens to hashtag stop dabbing. All right, so welcome to our podcast, Laura. How are you doing today? Very well. Thanks for having me, Peter. Happy to be here. Yeah, this is great. It's kind of interesting that we're about 15, 16 episodes into our podcast now, and we haven't touched on the topic, the general topic of drugs at all. So it's really, yeah, it's really interesting. And it's going to be a really good conversation and something that our listeners really need, the message that our listeners really need to listen to and hear, I think, because your story is very powerful based on what I've seen so far. Yes, and uh, a little bit alarming, uh, but I think it's it's definitely something that teens need to be aware of just to understand some of the messaging I think that's out there that maybe is counter um, to my experience and can share um, with them from from my perspective, uh, what happened to our family. Yeah. So let's just jump right in here. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of some of the terminology in a little bit, but I wanted to start out by talking a little bit. Can you tell us briefly who Johnny was before and after marijuana use? 
Oh, sure. Well, I always like to talk about my son. <laughs> so um, Johnny was a, a wonderful, happy, witty, charming young man, very intelligent. He had a 4.0 GPA. He got a perfect SAT score on the math portion, 800 out of 800. So he literally was a genius in math. He had a scholarship to Colorado State University. Uh, we are a Christian family. He loved Jesus. He taught uh, Sunday school with our family for many years. We taught four-year-olds. He had a heart uh, for the homeless, volunteered a lot. He was very involved in activities. He had a brown belt in karate. He ran cross country. He played the piano and the guitar. I mean, he, he was just, he was a great kid, very loyal uh, friend, all around great person. And sadly, when um, he turned 14, uh, we live in Colorado, <laughs> which we can talk about. Uh, but this is the first state to legalize recreational marijuana, and we have medical marijuana. Um, and he went to a party when he was 14. And we, he has a friend here who will re remain nameless, who's older brother was 18 and had a medical marijuana card. And he came home from the party and told me that he had used marijuana, that they all wanted to try to get high and that, um, the brother had it. And he told me, I mean, that's just kind of the relationship that we had. We were very close. I was his person. And I want to make sure everybody knows that, you know, we didn't, we don't use marijuana. Uh, we don't allow it in our house. We, you know, I, I was very surprised because we had told him in the past, you know, marijuana will hurt your brain. Don't use drugs. You know, all the same things all parents tell their kids. Um, and he told me that he used it. And so we had a conversation around that. And, and I was very clear, you know, we, his father and I, that marijuana is not allowed um, in our house. And so he hit it. Um, sadly, it's, it's very hard to detect these days, uh, the vapes, the dabs, a lot of the products don't have any smell and they uh, are easy to hide. And so we didn't really notice a lot of problems until a few years into it uh, when he turned 16 and was driving and was able to use it more, access it more. Um, you know, it was just, I wasn't going to duct tape myself to him 24 seven, but he became more withdrawn and you know, I didn't know whether it was just because he was being a teenager, which we all were teenagers. And I can remember being moody and sleeping a lot. And, you know, so it's really kind of hard to tell what part it, for me as an untrained parent, what was related to the marijuana use and what was just him being a teenager. Um, by the time he went into his senior year, um, we saw a lot of changes withdrawing from activities that he loved, different friends, um, becoming defiant, not wanting to follow rules, stopping going to class. And, and by the time he graduated, he had three D's, which, you know, this was a, a brilliant kid uh, because he just lacked motivation, didn't, didn't want to go to class, just didn't do, uh, didn't do the work. And by the time he was 19, he was really using... Uh, the high potency dabs. Um, and sadly, he died uh, by suicide when he was 19 after he became psychotic from using these very high potency products. And he wrote in his journals, which we found 
after he died that the mob was after him and uh, that his phone was bugged and his dorm room was bugged and he had become very delusional in his thinking. And so that sadly um, had him take his life. And, And some people don't even understand that that can even happen. How can that possibly be, right? It's quote, just marijuana. Um, so I set about trying to understand it. And uh, here we are almost two years after his death. And um, we formed a nonprofit called Johnny's Ambassadors to educate teens about the very real dangers of these, these potent marijuana products that are on the market today um, and how new they are and, and that it can cause significant mental illness uh, even psychosis and sadly in Johnny's case, suicide. So Peter, I know if it weren't for marijuana, my, my son would still be here today. I know that for a fact. So from my perspective, it, it took my son. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, was the transition from before to after, was it, was it long or was it really abrupt? The psychosis was very abrupt. Um, he was using, and the, at first it was like, gosh, he seems down. You know, he started um, becoming anxious after a couple years, for example, withdrawing after maybe the third year. But it really was about four years after he started using before he had his first suicide attempt, mm-hmm. um, where he went to his university on his scholarship and um, he said that he had been dabbing with his new roommate who had moved um, from Wisconsin to Colorado to use marijuana. And he texted me uh, after two weeks and he said, I feel like killing myself. So that was the first kind of break, I guess, you know, that he had. Um, And that was four years after use. So it's not always, and it can be, I, we have emergency room doctors who are on our board that tell us every day there are teens in the emergency room with acute psychotic episodes from using products and extreme vomiting and poisoning and passing out intoxication. So it can be instant. I don't want to give the impression that you have four years, you know, <laughs> that to use it. But in Johnny's case, it did take several years before it became very extreme. And then five years before he actually had a psychotic uh, break and and thought, you know, his room was bugged and all of those things, but your brain is forming until you're 25. And so there is a potential um, to have immediate or in Johnny's case, gradual effects of using marijuana. Right. Yeah. Then the reason why I asked was because for our listeners who, who there might be warning signs that you could pick up on if it's a gradual process. So I just, you know, so I I would say if you're, you know, (laughs) withdrawing from things that used to give you joy, your friendship group has changed, you're hiding things from your, your parents, you're not 
quite honest about the amount of your use. You're noticing memory problems, um, sadness, anxiety. If you are just kind of feeling a little paranoid or that maybe people are watching you or are after you, um, if you have stomach problems that are just very strange and, and you're, you know, vomiting, um, you know, there's, those are all pretty strong signs that you have a cannabis use disorder, that there is an addiction and uh, possibly even a psychological uh, and or physiological, um, you know, problem with that. I think it's kind of a myth. A lot of people think, you know, oh, you use marijuana to help with medical conditions. But in the case of teens, it's actually the opposite. It's kind of the chicken egg thing, you know? So um, not everybody who uses marijuana is self-medicating. In my son's case, he just wanted to get high, right? It's it's kind of a rite of passage here in Colorado. Uh, when you become 18, you know, we have what we call pot shop docs and they're kind of unscrupulous and they will sell for a few hundred dollars, a medical marijuana card to a teen simply, you know, when they say, oh, I have a migraine or, you know, they make up a malady. And it's not because they have a seizure disorder or severe autism, right? It's not a chronic or debilitating condition. They're just saying that um, because they want to use it recreationally. But because of our laws, they can get their med cards when they're 18. It's a lot easier here than getting alcohol, than getting cigarettes. Um, anybody in a, in a Colorado high school can get marijuana in five minutes. Wow. That, that seems so from a different world. Like yeah. my brain can't really grasp the concept being where I'm from. Right. Here. And it's not prevalent. And it's right. not prevalent. Yeah. Well, if you lived in California, uh, Seattle, yeah. <laughs> Colorado, right? I mean, when when marijuana comes to a state, it changes that state. It changes accessibility. It changes use. It changes suicides. Colorado, number one cause of death is suicide in our youth, ages 15 through 19. Um, there is a sevenfold increase in suicides. Uh, the research shows us with marijuana use. And here, um, 51% of all of the toxicology reports had THC in it, not alcohol, very, very low alcohol. It's actually hard to get alcohol um, for our teens as compared to marijuana. They can, you know, everybody knows who has the med cards and it's a Snapchat thing and they're dealing. And sadly, one in 10 of our middle schoolers here in Colorado. So if you don't have that, you know, you don't have a dispensary down the corner and you haven't walked into one in a while. Um, it's shocking for, for most people. If you've never even seen these marijuana products, you know, if you Google, you know, marijuana shatter images, marijuana wax, um, dab rig marijuana, right? If, if, if you're older, Peter, like you and me, <laughs> If you're older than 24, you don't even know what these things are because they, these concentrates didn't even hit the market until 2015 here in Colorado. They weren't even tracked. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a young people's thing. They, you might be shocked, but they know what it is. Yeah. 
Well, that's what I was going to say is that it's a world that I don't know a lot about. And it kind of led me up to my next question. So bringing in support and, and, and the education, what do parents and youth need to know about today's high potency THC products and how is it different than it was 20 years ago? Well, I think that's, that's a really important question because, you know, the kids today, I say kids, meaning anybody that's under the age of 21, right? It's not legal. Um, and for many states, it's not legal at all. Even, you know, you don't even have recreational there, I think, in your state. Um, but when you are a teen, a, a young adult, you know, you may think of the kind of stereotypical Woodstock, right, kind of days where your parents, if you've ever asked them, hey, have you used marijuana? Um, I used marijuana and it was in the 80s. Um, I used it a few times in high school. I did not like it. I didn't use it again after that. But back then, <laughs> right, and I'm, I'm old, I'm 52, right? So back in the old days, um, when we used marijuana, it was, um, it was a plant, right? Mm -hmm. And we had these little papers and you would put the plant in it and you would roll it and you would smoke it like a joint, right? And you would pass it around and everybody would laugh and, and it was kind of this love and peace perception. Okay. So that was your parents' weed. <laughs> that stuff <laughs> is, um, very, very low potency, right? If you think of alcohol and you compare it to um, the proof of alcohol, right? Uh, maybe a, um, a five ABV percentage, 5% uh, five, 5 ABV versus um, here, drink as much of this ever clear as you want, right? Clearly there is a difference that I think youth understand when it comes to potency around alcohol, right? There's kind of an extreme alcohol, even with like Starbucks, you can get an extreme coffee with like five shots, right? That they'd sell now. It's crazy. And, and you can have extreme marijuana. So what we have now is extreme marijuana. That is a totally different product from when your parents, me, right? Smoked it. And this is one of the perceptions that when a parent first hears their child's using marijuana, they they kind of tend to, and I know this because it's what I did. I kind of, in my mind said, ah, you know, it's just weed, you know, thank goodness. Um, he's not using opioids, you know, thank goodness. He's not smoking crack. Right. And so there's this perception, um, that it's harmless, but the reality is it's a completely different drug altogether. Right. Um, it's like comparing apples and oranges. So back then, the content of the THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, which is the chemical in the marijuana plant that makes you high, right? So back then, the THC was like 2% or up to 5%. Like that would be like the good stuff. Like if you could get Maui Wowie 5%, right? That was really hard to come by. Usually it was like ditch weed, really trash weed. Today, the potencies of the marijuana plant itself can be 30, even 40% THC. And that's not the worst of it. The worst of it is that chemists here in Colorado um, have figured out how to take the plant and you run a solvent through it like butane, okay? Or ethanol or propane. 
and it breaks off the THC that's contained in the trichomes on the buds of the unpollinated female plants. And that goes into a tray, right? The solvent and the THC kind of leach away into a tray and they throw the plant away. Okay, Peter. So the plant is not needed anymore Mm -hmm. because they've extracted the raw THC out of the plant. So in alcohol, it's different because you have to actually create the alcohol, right? Through a fermenting process. In marijuana extraction, it's different because you're removing all of the THC that's already in the plant. So all you have now is the chemical, no more plant in these. So they take this solution, this kind of concentrated THC solution, and they extract it and filter it and create it into a bunch of other products. They try hard to take the solvent out. They can't get it all out. It even lists on the back of a bag of shatter in the ingredients, butane, I mean, or whatever they use, it's still getting into your brain, which is really scary to me. But the the even more scary thing is that these products now that they create, they can, for example, distill, and you may have heard of distilling vodka, for example, it makes it more pure. So by distilling this solution, let's say it started out as 80%. Now you can distill it and you can have 90, 95, even up to 99.9% pure THC. And so if you smoke a joint, let's say, and it's 18% THC, you can't get really anything lower than that. So we'll just pretend it's 18% THC. And it's a quarter gram. And with combustion, um, you might be smoking 25 milligrams of THC in that entire joint, okay, with today's flower. Now let's take a, a vape, a THC vape, a distillate, let's say it's not even as strong as, as some of them, let's say it's 80%. And you buy a cart, which is a cartridge, it's one gram of brown THC oil looking. And um, if you buy a gram, and it's 80%, you have 80 milligrams of THC versus 20 or 800, 800 milligrams of THC versus just 25 in that joint. So one cart of the vape, really, really strong, 800 milligrams versus a joint, 25 milligrams. So you just can't fathom the difference in the potency and how high you get and how quickly you get high. And the problem is youth, they don't know what this stuff is. They don't know how potent it is. They've, you know, you go to a party and your friend says, here, hit this. And and they hand you a dab pen and you hit it. I've known teens who are in the emergency room and then a mental hospital for two weeks, hallucinating, thinking that the nurse is a shapeshifter. I mean, it totally um, hits you and and it doesn't take long with a, a cart, right? Let's say it's supposed to be 200 servings. 
in uh, 800 milligrams, right? So that would be four milligrams a puff. But what do you see with the kids all day long, right? They hit it before they go to school. They hit it when they're right in class, when they get, and, and they're just not doing like a little hit. They're right, big, heavy hits of, of this very potent, uh, these dabs and these distillates. So Peter, it is apples and oranges. We are talking about two completely different drugs. It's kind of like saying crack versus cocaine, right? If you take cocaine and you turn it into crack, like that's a very different drug. And they have THCA crystalline, which is nearly pure. And they're THC crystals that look just like crack um, used with the same device as a crack, a crack, uh, as a crack cocaine. But kids don't understand how these very potent um, THC products are affecting their brains. That's the difference. Um, as an adult, after 25 years old, 28, some say for men, your brain is formed, right? You, you don't have to worry about it. But when you're a youth, these very potent products are having extraordinary effects on the structure and the formation of your brain. Um, and that's sadly what's causing a lot of the psychosis, uh, the mental illness, the anxiety. People think it's supposed to help with those things, but it's actually either causing or making those things far worse. Right. It's crazy to think of the, that difference. It's it, it, like you had said that the good stuff back in the day used to be 5% and now you can't get anything lo lower than 18. Like it, it, yeah, it doesn't even exist. You know, the, and, and there's one botanist bragging that he's created a strain of flower that has 40% THC. And you have to understand anything over 10% THC is considered high potency in the Netherlands. It's illegal. It's a narcotic. Mm -hmm. It's considered a hard drug. Um, so um, don't hear me say that just the dabs are the bad part. Even the flower um, today is high potency and it used to have CBD in it back in the day, right? Cannabidiol used to have equal parts THC and CBD, which was considered a protective factor. And that's why you didn't see all the psychosis um, that you're seeing now, but the botanists have bred out all of the CBD because consumers want the THC. And, you know, we're not talking here about the child who has severe autism, right? Who has a medical marijuana card. The parent gives them a very small amount of THC each day. And that child is able to be in the classroom and function normally, right? Or another child, I met the parents who's having severe seizures. We're talking a hundred seizures a day and a little bit of medical marijuana that brings it down to just a couple seizures a day. It's life-changing, right? There are a few hundred children in Colorado who do have medical cards um, for those types of reasons. That's one end of the spectrum. What we're talking about is completely the opposite end of the spectrum of kids who have no medical conditions. There was nothing wrong with Johnny. He never had mental illness. We don't have psychosis in our family. They just want to get high. And we found on Snapchat after he died, and we were able to get into his phone 
all of the photos in the for your eyes only section of the dispensary products that he was able to walk in at 18 years old and buy 90% shatter and then go back and sell it to his classmates. And sadly, one in 10 of our middle schoolers are using uh, these products. So, you know, they, they say, oh, smoking's going way down, which is true. The Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment shows that marijuana smoking is going way down. But guess what's going way up? Dabbing, edibles, vaping, right? All of the very, very uh, potent products are going way up and it is severely impacting our kids' mental health. Yeah. So I have to ask then, it takes a village to sort of help address these issues and help our teens and our young adults along. What can parents do? What can the schools do? What can the communities do to help turn things around? Or is this something that's just here to stay now? Well, I think certainly if it gets legalized nationally, we're going to have, you know, a huge problem. And that's why our nonprofit, Johnny's Ambassadors, is working so hard to get the word out. But there's so much we can do. I mean, first of all, at parents, you know, I would say get educated. You know, um, if you have not been to a dispensary and I we have, you know, right down the road, you go to a dispensary. If you've not gone on a field trip and walk in and see what all these products are, uh, you will be amazed. And so that is the challenge first to parents to use it, to use their knowledge, to help their children understand the harms, right? Not to listen to the false narratives coming out of the marijuana industry. Of course, we would tell parents not to partake of marijuana themselves. Research shows that when marijuana is used by an adult in the home, the child is far more likely um, to use it. Adults, especially parents, are extremely influential um, in letting their children know, hey, gosh, I had no idea how potent this new marijuana is. And speak intelligently, respectfully to your, your teen, not because I said so, you know, drugs are bad, you know, this is your brain on drugs, right? Uh, teens don't respond well um, to those types of messages. You know, teach them about neuroscience. Help them understand the, C the cannabinoid receptors, CB1 receptors in their brain. When we use marijuana and it binds to that receptor, if it's in the amygdala, instead of having normal emotion, how does it trigger paranoia, right? I mean, I think just speaking to kids on a scientific level, they are actually quite fascinated uh, with the mechanics of how this works and in reminding them, hey, you only got one brain and this is what happens to it when you put marijuana in it. Even if you never get psychosis, right? There is no safe level of THC in the development in an adolescent brain. And so um, also showing them how big marijuana markets to them. Marijuana is owned by a very small group of very rich white men um, at the top who don't use. And when you show kids, when I go to schools and, and speak and show teens, look at these messages in how you're being taken advantage of and marketed to 
um, they get pretty indignant. You know, I, I think just really showing them, you have to kind of pull that curtain back um, and show them what's behind all of this. Addiction is an adolescent onset disease, right? The marijuana industry needs to addict our kids because the earlier they use, right? Young age, high frequency, high potency, boom, you have an addicted user who is going to be hugely profitable uh, for you in the future. And so I think understanding how they're being victimized, this is an addiction for profit industry and they are trying to make money off of our kids' brains. I think that's the messages that really work. And I don't know if you have any suggestions, but is there any, do you have any good resources that parents can go to to get that information? So that way. Absolutely. (laughs) We've developed all of that ourselves Um, at johnny'sambassadors.org under the education menu. um, I wrote a book, the dangerous truth about today's marijuana, Johnny Stack's life and death story. It's 300 pages with 176 citations um, tells Johnny's story and puts all the research in there for them to really understand. We do a webinar series. We have 75 hours of videos with experts, doctors, chemists, drug experts, uh, youth specialists to help them understand uh, the impacts, videos, toolkits, all sorts of educational graphics. So um, the thing we're most proud of is that we have developed a new online marijuana curriculum for teens and uh, a parallel track for parents. And so we're working to try to get that into schools and churches and youth groups. And if um, they contact us through Johnny's Ambassadors, we can send them a link. Anybody listening to this who would like to give the curriculum a try, um, the parents, it's eight modules, takes about 60 to 90 minutes. Um, And we suggest that parents incent their teen, hey, I'll give you a $20 Target gift card, you know, if you do this marijuana training. Um, so we're really working to roll that out and have some outcomes to show that it increases the sense of harm um, that teens had before they took it and uh, hoping to get some good, you know, incoming grant money and things to fund that. I mean, I'd love for uh, a half a million teens to take that training within the next three years. Yep. So my last question for you then, going back to the teens, um, what advice do you have for teens as they confront these things? Like you're in Colorado where it seems to be way more prevalent and way more accessible than it is around here. What do you you say to the teens? What advice do you have for the teens and the young adults as this seems to be spreading throughout the country what can they do to avoid these things you know how how can they keep it out of their lives well i mean the first thing is to be committed to you know decide for yourself not to use it before you get into that situation that's going to be the first thing because the peer pressure is going to come it's going to be at a party one of these days someone's going to offer it to you and you need to have um a prepared answer you know, I, I suggest they use the three S's, I call it. Number one is state your boundaries. Uh, that's the first S. Hey, you know, I don't, I don't use that stuff. I don't want to. My mom drug tests me. I mean, whatever you have to say 
um, in that first thing to say, you know, that's not for me. No, thanks. You go ahead. You know, whatever you're going to use to state your boundary. That's the hardest part is not to cave when someone says, hey, try this. Right. right. Then the second thing is to suggest something else. Right. Kind of reframe the the focus away from that and just say, you know, let's go do this or how about this or let's go um, watch a movie. Let's do something right. Suggest something else. It kind of helps distract Um, and then be prepared to stay your ground and stick to those boundaries. You know, even saying, hey, if you don't stop, I'm out of here, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, that you, you have to be firm in your resolve to not use it and practice that type of of language before you get into a situation uh, where there's marijuana, you know, so state your boundaries, suggest something else and stick to your guns. That's really what you have to do um, to make sure. So be educated. Uh, If you need to have an agreement with your mom and dad that you're allowed to throw them under the bus, and blame them. That seems to work pretty well. You know, my parents drug test me. My mom will kill me is a really easy way to, to get out of that so that you don't feel like you're the fuddy duddy, the Pollyanna who doesn't want to try it. Right. Wonderful. Well, to wrap things up, I have a couple of things to do. Um, first of all, where can people find you and what do you have going on? We are at johnniesambassadors.org, or they can just email me, Laura, at johnniesambassadors.org. And every year we have a big um, fundraiser. We just finished our, we use hashtag stop dabbing. Um, So we have our stop dabbing walk, uh, which we just had, but it's every year in September for a suicide prevention month. So that will be coming around next year, but we're always looking for teens who want to get involved. As ambassadors, uh, we have videos of teens who are giving their testimonies of how they used marijuana and it harmed them because we find the most powerful way to be a teen ambassador is to tell your truth and to tell your story and to say like, hey, this is real, right? This actually happened to me. And I think those are the best way for teens to um, help other people understand the harms too. Wonderful. And then to wrap it up, we like to leave our um, uh, leave our guests with a thought of the day. So if you have a thought of the day, it can be anything. It can be a song recommendation. It can be about this subject. It can be a quote about anything you want it to be. Well, I like to use um, the quote, forge ahead despite your pain and give meaning to your loss. And I think that applies in so many ways. Um, When Johnny died, I decided, you know what, I'm going to speak up and, and not be silent and not be shamed. And I'm going to tell what happened so that other people don't have to go down this path. And I think anytime you do that in your life where you have pain, if you go and and talk about it anyway, that it will save someone else from that same experience, whatever it was, and it's very healing for you too. Yep. Well, that sounds like a good place to wrap it up for the day. My name is Peter, and this has been the Northern Lights Pulse Podcast. We'll see you next time.